You make him pay next time. We wanted this meeting actually just to be an informal type of a thing so we could at least, in the midst of the hustle and much ado of the world and the forgetfulness sometimes of almost everybody and Christians also, of what this actually is, we wanted to bring that to our remembrance that this is not Santa Claus Day, it's not Christmas trees and lights and tinsels, it's not giving or receiving gifts, but it's one of the greatest days that the world has ever seen or known as the birth of the only one that could redeem us and set us free. We call our minds to the attention. I was looking through the, what we would say the original scriptures like Luke, I bring unto you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people, for unto you he is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And all of the scriptures that you would naturally use on Christmas Day, and for some reason or other the Lord wouldn't allow me to get by with that, and he turned me to one of the most unusual scriptures that I have ever had my attention called to for Christmas it's located in Titus, the second chapter, the ninth verse, and it simply says, Exhort servants to be obedient unto their masters, their own masters, and to please them in all things, not answering again, not purloining, but showing all good fidelity. They might adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, at all times. And this scripture, especially for the grace of God that bringeth salvation, has appeared to all men teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority, and let no man despise you. And as I looked at that, I could see that there was a past, there was a present, and there was a future, actually, of Christmas, if you want to put it that way. And at Christmas time, we all become emotional and sentimental over the familiar story that the shepherds watching over their flock, and suddenly an angel and a multitude of heavenly hosts appeared and announced the birth of a Savior and begin singing glory to God in the highest and peace on earth and goodwill to men. And I don't want to put down that beautiful truth. It's okay, and I think it's good to remember. But also God began to point out to me to recognize another truth. And that truth is that the New Testament, which tells of these events, actually has very little to say about the star, has very little to say about the wise men, has very little to say about the shepherds, the angels singing, or the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. In fact, in careful study and truth, Mark nor John doesn't even mention it, and no place in the writings of the Apostle Paul do you find that. And when I was reading that, I thought, I know it's important, very important. So why is this seemingly great event not elaborated on more and not even mentioned by some? 
And it seemed like the Spirit just spoke to me and said, because these individuals were ready, and not only ready, but they were very eager to get on with the more basic truths about the reason that Jesus Christ came into the world and was born. Again, I don't want to minimize the beauty of the truth. And I want to be, though, like Mark and John and Paul and some of the others I'm suggesting this morning that we go beyond our emphasis, we go beyond our preoccupations at Christmas and put some meaning behind his coming as it relates to us and to our world today. What we're celebrating is something that's wonderful and something that has passed. And I want to suggest to you this morning, as we have often, that he is not a babe in a manger. He's not even a Christ on the cross. He's not a Christ in the tomb. But he is one that accomplished what he was supposed to accomplish when he came here, ascended into the heavens with the promise of coming again literally as he went away, but also was so gracious to us that he came to dwell in the heart of man. It's a challenge to me to understand how someone can fill the whole universe that large can become so small and condescend to such smallness that he can dwell within our heart and within our soul. But that he did to enable us to go beyond that which had already been passed. As I looked at that, I thought, I may, maybe we stay too childish. Maybe we fail to grow with our Lord in wisdom and stature. You notice St. Luke talks about Jesus increased in wisdom and stature in the favor with God and the favor of men. And maybe we stay a little childish, especially in this day and hour, and fail to recognize actually his whole complete duty that was fulfilled and still being fulfilled in the world. And in looking at that, I noticed these writings that Paul wrote to Titus, and he gives us a message that I believe this morning that comes to grips with a larger meaning of the birth of Christ. You notice there is past tense there. Half appeared. The grace of God half appeared. Then there's present tense there that says teaching us. Half appeared, then present he is teaching us. And then there's a future tense, looking for. Something that he hasn't completed as yet. Looking for. That blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now when we consider the past, half appeared, when you search that out, that verb is the word used to speak of the brilliance of the sun when it appears with the coming of a new day. I thought of the scriptures that says, Whereby the day sprang from on high hath visited us to give light to them that sit in darkness, and in the shadow of death to guide our feet unto the ways of peace. And also concerning many other scriptures, Matthew talks about it. It says the people that sat in darkness saw a great light. And those that sat in the region in the shadows of death, a light has sprang up. And when the grace of God appeared, when man was at his darkest hour and had not except for John announcing the birth of Jesus, had looked for it ever since God had promised to Eve in the Garden of Eden that from her seed would come forth. And to look for it, all down through the ages of time, in one of the darkest moments in history of God's people, the grace of God literally burst forth into a world of darkness and give a light where there wasn't any light. And like a rocket seemed like that lit the sky, his grace appeared. But his grace appeared for a purpose. He didn't come for us to look at him and 
crew over him as a little babe in a manger and all of that, but he came for a purpose. He came to grow in wisdom and stature, and he came to redeem. The only one that could. God said in the scriptures that he looked for a man, but there was no man, and therefore his own arm brought him salvation. He brought it into this world. He lived a victorious life in the world without sin. Blood was not tainted as ours is. And because of that, he was able to satisfy the justice of God. And so he gave himself, but he came to redeem and he came to purify. He came because we were lost in darkness of sin. Had no chance whatsoever. Grave was our doom. Could not look forward to eternal life. Man was lost. But Jesus came for that. He came because we were dirty with sin and our deeds were immoral. We were lost in our lust and in our greed. And when I look around in the world and watch it in this precious, precious time that's been set aside, whether it's the birth of Christ or not, that's immaterial. It's very doubtful that this is the day. But nevertheless, it's a precious day, a precious time to look back on. And when I see the world overrun with lust and greed and see their lives lived as if there never was a Savior and as if He never died and as if He never died for us, continuing on to live their life as it has always been lived, I see this beautiful day turned into days of greed where man takes from individuals. And our life is spent upon giving and giving and sometimes humanity goes beyond their means to provide presents for someone else, which God never wanted in the first place. But Jesus came because we were lost in that. He became here because we were headed away from God. He came because we had not listened to God. He came because we were charting our own course and going our own way. He came because we had rebelled against God only to find our dreams of happiness and satisfaction had not been realized. And as I look into the world and sometimes in the life and heart of Christians, dreams and aspirations that we have had, satisfaction that should be ours, seems like we live in a world of anxiety, in a world of restlessness. And we who above all should have peace sometimes don't seem to be able to find it because we look in the wrong place. This is a time of happiness, and yet there's probably more loneliness an unhappiness in this world right at this moment than ever before. You and I are privileged people this morning. We have one another. We have our families. We have our life that when we know about Jesus. But Jesus came just for that purpose. And Tid uh, Timothy speaking to Titus says, But grace, the grace of God, not the goodness of man, you'll never be able to work it out. You don't have what it takes, and I don't have it what it takes, but the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared. And when I looked at that, that simply mean he just ripped off the gates of the prison that held us. Just took them and turned them aside so we could walk out. Left the door wide open and give us the privilege to come into his presence to live a new life. And in his love, after he'd grown to manhood, he took our place. We were on death row. He recognized it. He offered to die for us. He died the death we deserved to die. He asked to redeem us from all the iniquities and sins that ever committed in our life. 
But he was not only born to redeem, he was born to purify. We need cleansing this morning, daily cleansing. Not only our hands and our feet, but our hearts and our minds. And he came to make us clean with the washing of the water by the word. Anytime there's a cleansing to be done, it's done through the word of God. I was amazed at some of the writings of Martin Luther, some of those old men that we wonder if they really knew what had happened, had wrote some amazing things, had such insight whenever it come to individual lives. And he wrote this. He said, We have been liberated from prison, but the stench and the disease of prison lingers on our bodies. Sin still clings to us, and so our whole life must be one of constant and daily cleansing. He realized that one dip in the fountain that flows with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ was not enough. He realized that even though we came and we were forgiven and washed of the sins up until that time, Martin Luther realized that we daily needed cleansing and purifying by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. As we bathe daily to clean ourselves and our own bodies, we need to submit to the Lord Jesus Christ so he can wash us with the water by the word and keep his beauty and keep his spirit and keep his love in us. God doesn't raise us from the dead so we can get Christmas presents. He, doesn't, he didn't raise from the dead and he doesn't raise us from the dead because of that. But he raised us from the dead and gave us life so we could join and give this gift to the world salvation. To share the love of God with individuals that don't know it. To live our lives in such a manner or such a way that they would want to be like we are and to have what we have. To offer the world something that nobody else can offer them. And that's God's gift, unspeakable gift to a lost and dying world, Jesus Christ. To let them know that He does make a difference in our life. That there is a difference in us when we know Jesus. That our life is just that much better. And then it talks about presence. He came. He was born. He grew to manhood. He accepted his calling. Walked the shores of Galilee three years and a half. Preached the message of redemption and power. And chose his church and chose his, chose his teachers. And then there's a present tense of that grace that has appeared. And that present tense is teaching us. Teaching us. And I looked at that and I asked myself a question. I would like to ask you this morning. Have we progressed? in the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can we look over this year and see any growth in this area of our lives? You see, we're born through the power of God, but we're born to grow. And we're born because of Jesus. And we're being taught because of Him. His grace appeared to teach us. The question asked is, have those in our home or at work been touched by the power that indwells us, that works in us and through us? These are valid questions. These are questions that's worthy of notice in our lives. Worthy for each and every one of us to ask ourselves that question, not pinpointing another life, but look in our own life and ask if the teachings of God had caused any progression in our lives. Are we the same as we were, spiritually speaking, last year at this same time when we gathered together to worship the Lord Jesus Christ? Has there been any growth or gain in the, this area of our life? And if not, we need to be search out why. And we need to realize that those at home, their lives need to be touched by our lives. 
I'll never forget, and this is the first Christmas that I'll be spending without my mother. My dad's been gone 10 years. But I'll, I'll never forget the things in their life that touched my life. I was aware that they were human. I watched their mistakes. I watched their failures. I knew they were there. But there was something about their life in God that gained the respect of me, that made me want the God that Dad had and the God that Mom had, in spite of their weakness. And that's what made me what I am today. It's because they lived a life in home, in front of me, in spite of their weaknesses. Oh, I've seen them falter. I watched Dad fall down on his knees after doing something he shouldn't have done, ask God's forgiveness. I've watched him go through battles, heartaches, Mom the same way. But I saw something inside of them that I don't see in the average individual that don't know God. I saw something that made them cling to the only thing that was worthwhile in their world, and that was the Lord Jesus Christ. And this made me to want Him in my later years of life. Earlier years, uh, Christianity was for old people. <laughs> but I soon found out Christianity is for anybody. If our life needs to be changed, it needs to be changed in the Lord Jesus Christ. So he came to teach us. He came that we might be able to teach others. The grace of God didn't appear. So we could continue to live in our own same old hardness of heart. It came to teach us a better way of life. It came to soften our lives and to soften our heart. Broke forth like the noonday sun to begin to melt out all that which is hard and frozen and to heat up our lukewarm lives and bring them to something that God would be proud of. He came to train us to live as part of his army and to fight as part of his army, to live as part of his household and members of his household as God's priest ministering to a lost and to a dying world, not only in words, but the greatest ministry we can have is in deeds. The world can speak well. Any of us can say beautiful things from our mouth. But we need our lives to back what we say with our mouth up. And I know of no greater challenge in this day and hour that we're living in in this moment, in this, this season, no greater, no greater challenge than giving the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ to individuals and to at least witness to them and tell them the grace of God. This enables us to renounce the worldly passions that come our way. Help us to accept his help in building the type of sobriety and righteousness and godliness in our life that would do Jesus Christ justice. That would make him be proud to call us his children. To live a life in such a manner or such a way that would entice others to want to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. I think perhaps this is something that's sadly missing in most churches and perhaps in most Christian lives. And perhaps the reason the Lord is challenging us this morning to make us to realize it was the grace of God. I just viewed one of the uh, Christmas programs on television. I even forget the name of it. But Christ was never mentioned. Santa Claus was uh, brought to his forefront. He was the one that could restore life. And all of these things and almost every program that I watched, some way or somehow, Jesus Christ had been deleted from that. He was gone from it. You see, the world has taken over something of beauty that God has initiated. And if we're not careful in our lives, the world will take over our lives at this moment until we forget, if we're not careful, 
Just exactly what we are celebrating. Just exactly what day this really is. And if we're not careful, it'll be given to things much less than the Lord Jesus Christ. But the past is not enough and the present is not enough. There's a future that Jesus Christ has promised us that has not happened yet. We just read that to you, looking for that blessed hope and that glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. In other words, we have a day to look forward to. We have a day to look back on in his birth and times of his falls of mankind, inabilities and weaknesses that almost kept us from reaching into the throne of God. There is a day that we can look forward to when all of those things will have been passed. We'll be able to look up in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ and say, I believed you. I accepted your birth. I accepted your death. I accepted your resurrection. I accepted what you left for me, and I accepted your teaching. And that day will soon come. I cannot set a day or an hour. Too many times people have done this. And it's hurt individual lives. But as sure as he was born, and as sure as he died, and as sure as he rose again, He's coming back again. The world seemingly has lost sight of that even. That will he ever come? Peter meets that and says, but the day of the Lord will come. He tells us that in spite of what the world thinks about it. But there's going to be a glorious appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells us that every knee shall bow. Knees that have not bowed before, but it'll be too late. Every tongue will confess. Every proud tongue that thought that they wouldn't have to confess the Savior, will make their confession, but it'll be too late. And he takes his father David's throne, rules over the whole earth, brings it under subjection to him. And that's the time when that little reel had been separated back in Abraham's time, when the sea was tarnished and poisoned and evil was there. And God separated a little reel, a little river from that, and brought Abraham out and said, I'm going to purify you and purify your seed and bring it into the things I want. And of course that purification would happen when Jesus comes and takes up his throne and then he'll turn that little river into the great sea of humanity and there all that's ever been wrong in his kingdom he's going to take care of. And the whole sea of humanity will either confess the Lord Jesus Christ or they'll deny him. So in summing this all up, the joy of Christmas is not Santa Claus. Joyous Christmas is not presents and candy and family gatherings, but it's Christ that offers to set us free. The joy of Christmas is not a fat man in a red suit, but it's Jesus stained with his own blood that came to redeem humanity and set us free from the fears and anxieties of this present world. Christmas is not a green tree with its lights and its tinsels and all of that, but it's a barren tree formed in the shape of a cross. For Jesus Christ, the righteous one, who knew no sin, had no reason for him to die, mounted that cross of sin and shame and sets us free to be very near the throne of grace and mercy and very near the throne of God. That's what Christmas is all about. All these other things are added virtues and added things. And all of these things are fine unless we forget in all actuality what season that we are in. Future awaiting the appearance of a great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, present training us to renounce the worldly passions, to live godly lives, living in this world, zealous always of good works, 
in the past the grace of God hath appeared. There's nothing anybody can do about that now. The devil does his best to cause that to disappear. But when the grace of God appeared, it bursts forth and it's still there. Nothing he can do about it. That has been fulfilled. But we're in the present now. And God is speaking desperately to his people and asking them to let that grace that appeared 2,000 years ago teach us that the guying ungodly lust, we should live soberly and righteously and godly, not in the world to come, but in this present world. Could we do that without the grace of God? I think not. I think everything we are, everything we have been, everything we are, and everything we ever will be, we owe to that day when Jesus Christ burst on the scene and humanity's eyes beheld him. Not the church of that day. They ignored him. They did not recognize him. But Jesus came and he was recognized. He was recognized by individuals that had long since sought for him. All those years they searched the heavens looking for a certain star. Call it stargazing if you want to. But these people handed this down from generation to generation. There shall a star appear out of Jacob. And they looked for that and sought for that. And finally it was there. And they followed it to behold the young man. Brought him presents and gifts and that's fine. But you know what he asked for this morning? There's not a gift you could give him other than yourself. That would be more pleasing to the Lord. And I think this morning, in, all, in spite of all of our fears, in spite of all of our anxieties and all of our problems, we might think Jesus doesn't want us. But if he didn't want us, he would never have died that horrible death to redeem us. And all he asked this morning from you is yourself. He wants nothing else. There's no gift any greater. Or you can give him thanks with your voice. And you can present him different things. But the greatest joy that comes from heaven is when a child of God presents himself to Jesus and said, Lord, it's not much. <laughs> You've had people to give you a little gift and said, it's not very much, but it's from the heart. You see, that's what Jesus wants to hear. It's not much, Lord, but it's from the heart. Here I am. <laughs> I'm giving you everything I am. And I want you to take me and guide my life and make it better and make it different. The past, the present, and the future of what this day is all about. And I thank God for it. I look back over my life and I wonder how God could have brought me thus far. Over the times that I was sick, wallowing in sin, despair, even though I'd been raised as Christian, should have known God, should have depended on Him, still didn't know him lost in one minute. And I don't know about you, but when I read that scripture, and it said just like the noonday sun bursting forth, when I finally got that idea that he had to be my God, that he couldn't, that I couldn't have dad's God, and I couldn't have mom's God, I had to have him for me. When I finally got that idea, it was. It was just like a great light had lit up, and the grace of God actually appeared to me. And since that time, he's been teaching me. I've been a very good student sometimes, but he's been teaching me. 
that I should, I should live soberly and godly and righteously. You know, a lot of people are always looking to the future. But Jesus brings it down to the nitty-gritty when he says in this present world. Shall we say? We appreciate everyone who's here. Good to meet Mike and his wife. Always good to see everybody that's here and I appreciate everyone and my wife has named it and we have been privileged uh, truthfully since we came to Meridian we haven't accomplished what we had hoped to accomplish but it's not over yet we're still fighting the fight and we're still believing in the Lord and we wish that we could have given truthfully from our hearts we wish we could have given this church a little bit more this Christmas season than we've been able to give them we worked and we prayed and we've done our best and that's all that God asked but we want you to know at this Christmas season we appreciate you we love you with all of our hearts and our whole life is put into the service of the Lord and the help of God's people so I'm thankful for my family but I don't know church family is important to me almost as important to me as my own family and I do love my own family I appreciate my children, appreciate my wife, and you know something, the Lord has given me so much love that I even love my mother-in-law. I mean, you talk about a miracle now, and and, and my aunt, you see, boy, God's really done something there, hasn't he? <laughs> but we do appreciate them driving all that time, taking those shortcuts to, to see us, and I appreciate my wife, who's ever wife is the neck that turns the head and my wife reminds me of that once in a while and I said yeah sometimes the neck gets stiff too but I appreciate every one of you is here and it was just our desire to speak to you out of the heart in the type of informal gathering and let you go to know wherever you go Jesus is going to watch you Uh, going back there, I have a little present for my class. Uh, something that, as I said, not very much, but it's from the heart. And so as you go by there, by my wife will give it to you. Is there any other remarks? There will be no service tonight. Let's enjoy the goodness of the Lord tonight with our families. Anyone else with a, any announcements? Wednesday night, then, the Lord will be talking to us. So come out Wednesday night.